Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. And in this section that we begin here, that we will conclude this morning and tonight in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, uh, I'm going to start by reading the section which starts with talking about vessels of honour and vessels of dishonour and these closing verses in chapter 2 are all about the difference from verse 20 all about the difference between a vessel of honour and a vessel of dishonour being one who is useful to the master and one who dishonours the master and his conduct and his manner and his ways of dealing with the word and people and teaching the word and of course, this is, this, is a, this is a pastoral epistle that Paul writes, very personal pastoral epistle. The only other personal letter is, uh, is to Titus and then and Philemon. But this is, a, this is a very personal letter. And it, I suppose if you were ever at a conference, I heard John MacArthur saying the other day, I was listening to a shepherd's conference message. He says, well, I wouldn't be a shepherd's conference without talking about 2 Timothy. And, and it would be easy, and I understand, I'm sure that we've no thought that as we've been studying through it, that you could think that, well, this doesn't really apply to me because this is for pastors and teachers, but we've found that it's, it's very relevant for each and every one of our lives uh, as we teach the word and how we should conduct ourselves as believers <clears throat> towards other believers, non-believers, them against us and them who just need educated and there's a big difference. Not everyone who disagrees, and I'll get into this between today and tonight, not everyone who disagrees is an enemy and not everyone who agrees is a brother either. Some of my greatest enemies are people that's agreed with me in public and the minute they've left the office has started a war. So uh, you can never take that for granted and Paul, as we said throughout, is continually, as we know, instructing Timothy to not be sidetracked by them who want another message <coughs> or them that cause <coughs> division. Paul has been instructed by Timothy on in how to deal with a, a vessel of honour <coughs> is one who rightly divides the word and holds to that word. That is the vessel of honour. But also, as we go on, is one who is also rightly carries that word in God's word with humility. I better get a glass of water here. Sounding like Joe Biden here. <laughs> it's another subject, isn't it? <coughs> I don't get sidetracked. <laughs> don't get sidetracked with wee Joe. Yeah. <coughs> That's what it says in my subheading here. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will <laughs> we'll delve into that tonight, uh, this morning and this evening as well. Uh, all about the how to, the needless arguments and debates that we can get into. And we've touched on it over the last couple of weeks. Uh, weeks uh, so as much as you may think, or you know, the passages may indeed uh, are a letter that doesn't fully apply to you, it certainly does speak, as we have learned, into our own issues and situations in everyday life, as we've found... Uh, I, I was talking to Ra I think it was Rachel a couple of weeks ago, and she says... My spirit loves Timothy, but my flesh hates it. No, and that's a bit like that's a bit like the God's word, really, isn't it? Yeah. And the day will be no different. In fact, maybe even more relevant uh, to each of our own personal relationships and conduct as we open this up this morning. <laughs> Paul's letters totally astounding. Uh, they leave no stone left unturned. That's what I love. I think 
more than anything about God's word, that's how it leaves no stone left unturned. At, at university now, I'm doing the... Uh, I've just went through systematic theology through the Old Testament, and you're thinking, oh, the detail, the detail God's in is, is astounding. Trying to keep up with it right enough as I'm trying to take notes and my mind takes wonders. I, I, I empathise with you. You know, I empathise with you because the, 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 the tutor's saying something in a minute and then I'm, I'm away and I'm like, oh, there I thought and then I'm like, oh, I've just missed 10 minutes of that there because I'm away. So I empathise with you. When you're looking at me in that yon gaunt way, <laughs> that, that gaunt way, the, 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 the coos at the gate, I get that you're thinking about something else. It's okay, you know, so uh, I, I, can't, I can't see beyond the front row anyway. Uh, because these lights shine, and if you were if you were up here at this moment, you'd black. You can't see it. It looks like I can see your face because I'm looking at you, but I, it's just a silhouette. Uh, anyway, there's truly no hiding place isn't there, in God's word when you expound the whole counsel of God. There is no hiding place, and that's the way it should be. Okay, let's read the first few verses that we have covered over the last few weeks from verse. 2023, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honour, some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel of honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. In God's house, there will always be people who teach right, and there will always be people who teach wrong. There are always going to be that. Uh, sometimes there'll be wheat and tears in the church. You sometimes just grow together. Uh, that's what happens in God's house. That's going to happen. Uh, and often God allows that to happen. Uh, uh, God's overall, so he can allow that to happen so that we can rightly discern what's right for wrong. You know, if, if I had to say it this way, just kind of in a shallow way, you, if you've got children, sometimes you just go, just, just let them do that. Just, just let them make that mistake and uh, they'll not do it again. You know, and sometimes that's what you need to do. You just need to let the thing be. And then it says in verse, I want to read verse 22. Flee also, we spent a lot of time in this last week. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. Avoid ignorant Disputes. God's platform is not a multiple choice. What fits your place? If you think of the church today, and we, we were there, we were there. Thank God, and I just want to say this, and I'll mention it as time goes on. Thank God that when God refined us, you know, because we were building a church with wooden straw, thank God that he never burnt us alive as well. And sometimes when he burns what you're building it with, he, 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 can, he can restore you in amongst that. And I'm not going to get into that. There's scriptures that kind of back that up. But, uh, but much of the day's church and much more often it's a conversation. Let's have a conversation so the preacher will be sitting having a wee seat. I used to do it. Sitting, it's a dialogue. It's, it's a multiple choice dialogue. Uh, it's a TED talk. It's a debate. It's a presentation. It's a Q&A. Uh, and that, that's fine. Some of these things are fine. Not, not so much the TED Talks, but the Q&As, and that, they're fine. And there's a time and, and place for them. Uh, but it's not the main thing. The main thing in the church is to preach the word. And that's what Paul is instructing Timothy to do. We preach the word. The platform is not a debating place, which is what the modern church has turned it into, like some sort of whatever you like, pick and mix. 
Uh, that's what the church is today. I read a post the other day and it said, I'll, I'll paraphrase some of it and I'll quote some of it. It said, this is the quote part, there are many paths up the mountain and if we are true to our own path, we will all meet at the summit. Do you know people that's following what they think is a true path? How certain are you that you'll definitely not meet them at the summit? They will... They even only say, the person would only say, if people find another path that suits them, this is the paraphrase, but it's, it, it's what it says. I'm, I'm not extracting anything away here, really. If people find another path that suits them, can you be secure enough and have enough wisdom to release them and support them? Is that way everyone wins? I was a pro prominent leader in the church that said that. Really? So even if it's not towards Christ or with Christ, I'm only secure if I cheer that on and I'm insecure if I don't. You get that type of message, don't you? Like if I don't do that, I'm a party pooper. I'm no celebrating people. I'm a control freak. I'm a control freak because I'm no celebrating your journey to hell. And I really should be celebrating that and encouraging that because that's love. You see the subtleties in that? Now obviously when I say the opposite of it, you get the, the, you get the danger of it. But when it's said like that, you're like, that's absolutely right. I've got to let people be what they be. And, and this is what was happening in the church in Ephesus at this exact time. This exact thing was happening. Because there were these people coming saying, you know what, we want this and we believe this and we've found another path and we believe this. We believe this is a better path and we believe this is a better way and it's my life. <laughs> it's my life, isn't it? Yeah, that it is your life, but we're in church now. We're in church now. We're not in the playground. We're not in the football field. We're in church where we teach truth. Uh, but then you can be convinced and if you're running, but thank goodness that we're not running about that teaching week in, week out, because you start embracing that teaching week in, week out, you start getting surrounded yourself with that teaching week in, week out, you will be convinced any truth's harsh. You will start to convince yourself that any truth's harsh, you're heartless, you're controlling, you've got insecurity issues. Paul tells Timothy, don't embrace that. Don't embrace that. Don't have an intimate debate. Your platform is where we declare the word. It's not an ambiguous environment where anything goes and one size fits all, whatever you're into. We are whatever you want, we will cater for it. That's what the church is like today. Whatever you want, we will cater for it. If you call it out or stand up during a sermon in this church, we'll give you one chance to be quiet. Now we're not taught, or you'll be removed. Because we're not having a debate. This is nowhere we debate. And Paul is making sure, and Timothy, being his nature, know that he was kind of timorous and he was, he lacked confidence at times and he would have been about people who were more mature and more experienced in certain areas. Uh, Timothy, no being as bold as Paul, uh, naturally in his life, uh, it would have been so easy for Timothy to go, well, 
How do you accommodate this? And how do you manage this? And how do you spin plates and, and juggle with these difference in opinions? And he's making sure that Timothy doesn't get hijacked and starts embracing it and the debating society who want to talk about nothing, it says in the scripture, but ignorant disputes that do nothing but cause more division and argument. So much of the preachers today are pandering to debaters and them that are in opposition to the word, pandering to them, who are on a different path. I want to debate about their mostly ignorant theories and they don't care that they would interrupt the service. I remember talking to a man, it wasn't in this church, he came to, I know the, I know the guy, and he, he, he told me that he went to church once, this is what he says, I went to church once, Mark, and, and I know the guy and he's not a believer and I, would, I know how he would approach this because I would say he'd be an ignorant mocker. And he went to a church service, he told me, and during it, he stood up to ask a question, just mid-flight. But an ignorant, I know it would have been an ignorant, well, I know the question he asked, and it was ignorant and arrogant. It was an ignorant and arrogant opinion. He was told to sit down and be quiet, and the question would be answered at the end of the service. And he said, this is his words to me, that was it for me. I never went back again. They were not willing to answer any of my questions. I said to them, what they'd done was right. And I know the church it was, and I wouldn't have agreed with what they said either, but that's not the point. I wouldn't have probably agreed with what they were teaching either, but it's not the point. The point is the man was out of order and lacked respect. He thought his question was more important than anyone else's time or learning. As he decided to shout out or speak out or stand up during the service. How arrogant is that? I think one of the things that started to irk me more is we were a, in our pragmatic, all-encompassing church format, whatever you want to call it. And, and I think it was absolutely instrumental in the spiritual revival that started to happen in our church was the lack of reverence in the church. Remember Fraser said to me, he says, Mark, you were talking about that for weeks, maybe months before the word was found. He says, because you're starting to see that there were a total lack of reverence in the church. I remember we used to do these, remember we used to do these shows with people and all sorts of stuff. And I can always remember that you'd have all these kids in, and we don't mind kids making a mess, that's, that's not a problem. But there were adults deliberately, and I've seen them deliberately stamping food into your carpet. Just deliberately stamping food. Just People that hate God. Just people that hate God, and you're allowing them to run riot in your church. Under the guise of you're reaching out. Really, you're reaching out? Reaching out to who? Reaching out to folk that abuse you? Much of the modern church today is little order. People walk about, in and out, stand up, move seats. We used to be in church. And the church at me and James's party, honestly, it was like musical chairs. That's what was during the service. <laughs> now, honestly, some of you are like, no, if I need the toilet here, I'm terrified again. I don't mean that. If you need to go, but you know what I mean? It was just walk about anything. Kids running about between your legs during the service. 
One girl in her church a few years ago used to bring her knitting. Knitting. I, I'm not kidding. She brought her knitting. I remember approaching her and I said, please stop that. Please stop bringing your knitting to church. She says, it helps me concentrate. I says, what, K2 talk? This God's house. You're bringing your knitting. Yeah. Now, I understand if there's a child in church, maybe they're no settling in kids or something, they put a pair of headphones on and they're... I, I get that. They're maybe doing something else. I, I, I'm not talking about that. But a grown adult, knitting. <laughs> Just catching up with stuff. God's house. Talk about offended. Talk about offended. Person was so offended. I was such an abuser for telling her to stop doing her nothing. Stay your nothing in the house. Bring us to church. <sighs> Try to tell me what to do now. No, I'm telling you now, you're not bringing your nothing here. You bring your nothing here, you and the needles will be out. <laughs> Seriously. You can take your needles and your nothing and your pattern and leave. She did. When anything goes, so does the word. Yeah. When anything goes, the first thing you go will be the word. That'll go as well. That'll be, that'll be the one that's nearest the exit. Church becomes carnal. In the charismatic church, anyone seems to be able to take a stand and have a word or share something. Anybody. They don't need to know anything. You, they could be living like Satan. From day in, day out. But they've got a word of knowledge. And they get a mic. I've got a word. All right, up you come. Up you come. They, in fact, they, they, even them who permit them, they got, most of them know that they're going to talk rubbish. But they're permitting them because one day they might say something that's real. I can't remember the guy for IHOP's name. He does this, these kind of charismatic revival things. He runs I Hope. I can't remember his name. Do you know his name? Mike Bickle. Mike Pickled. <laughs> Mike Bickle says that he, does, he, says he knows that about 90% of it is rubbish, but he permits it for what's right. Right, okay. Okay, that's, that's great, isn't it? He permits it for what's good. MD can just come up, but allows God's platform to be infested with fleshy carnal. And at times, demonic activity. We can't call it anything else. It's demonic activity. And they think it's encouraging. But it's not. It kills reverence and teachability. Because what it does is to the youthful loss in either a believer or a non-believer, is what it does is it starts them thinking that the only thing that matters is their message. When I get sober and Alcoholics Anonymous, I've, many of I've, I've told you this before, so I get sober through AA and I went to AA meetings for years, but I was a minor celebrity in my own head because I've always had a gub. So as soon as I get sober, you get asked to speak in AA. No, you get 90 days because after 90 days you're sorted. Honestly, after 90 days you know everything in AA, so after 90 days you get to share your experience, strength and hope. I had no experience, zero strength, and I was hopeless. But I got to share it anyway. And I got them shared my experience, strength, and hope. So what ends up happening is people started to like me. 
because I was the youthful lust kicked in. I wasn't saved. And what would happen is, is I used to just go to A meetings where I would be asked to speak. See if I went to an A meeting and, uh, and there was the high status because see if you got to speak at the conventions, that was you, you've made it. I spoke at an AA meeting and I remember a guy, an older man came up and says to me, he says, the, the biggest meeting in AA in the world, but out with America, is it, I don't know if it still exists, it's in Dumfries in Scotland. And there may be about five, six thousand people go to it. Uh, so that the, the ultimate is you get to speak at that. And I remember I was, I was sober about four months. No, no, honestly, just no drinking. Let's just call it no drinking. Let's not call it sober whatsoever. Let's just call it I wasn't drinking. And a guy heard me speaking, he's like, you are Dumfries material. Really? That became my mission in life to get to Dumfries. Never listen to a word MD says, so I'll go to a meeting and blah. Before, you'd go to A meetings, I'll just be brief here, you'd go to A meetings, and what would often happen is, there would be somebody who was asked to go and get the speaker. Uh, but often they never, they were lazy, they waited till the meeting was just about to start and everybody came to the meeting. Then they would ask somebody who'd just arrived. Or you would, it was, it was, it was very often that the speaker just didn't turn up, right? Probably drunk, right? <laughs> but they would be, <laughs> it just wouldn't turn up. So what I would do is I would hang around about the coffee bar. <laughs> Who's speaking today? <coughs> oh, he's not here yet. Really? You heard basically what I'm saying in myself, you heard me yet. <laughs> and what ends up happening is the point I'm making is is what happens is when you give that red rag to a bull to immature, self-indulgent lunatics like myself. You become totally unteachable because you end up learning nothing because it becomes about your own message. We used to, me and James were part of a church and there used to be a wee guy in church and he, he constantly, he's seen Sunday mornings as preparing his sermon. Every Sunday he was preparing his own sermon. Uh, his own sermon, he never got to speak anywhere, by the way, because you couldn't have listened to him for longer than two minutes, but, but he was always preparing his own sermon and critiquing yours. No, and I never get speak. I never get well, maybe a couple of times, but I didn't get near the platform there. And that was one thing they did, do, right? Uh, but James, James used to go up, and the guy would be like, oh. <laughs> "Nope." <laughs> do you know who confronted that? Nobody. Do you know who called that guy out? Nobody. That's no loving. Nobody called that guy out because it was just, I was going to say his name there, it was just him. It was just, okay, that's just how he is. That's just how he is. This is God's house. It's not how he is here. And I think it's encouraging, but it kills reverence and teachability. The youthful loss and either immature believers or non-believers start to determine the agenda and set the tone and the agenda of the service. Churches are on their knees, and I don't mean on their knees praying, caused by dysfunctional people, non-covered women predominantly, no exclusively, but a lot. Women whose husbands either don't attend church or are too passive to tell their wives to shut up and sit down. <laughs> <You> can, <laughs> any, 
I've just said that there, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> this is how this happens in church all the time, by the way, all the time. These women, it, I'll tell you where it's terrible for it, the northeast of Scotland, in, in the Dundee area, but anywhere, anywhere's bad. Women pastors, railroad, weak pastors and leaders end up having all sorts of division in the church over pathetically unbiblical, ignorant matters. Yeah. Tea, coffee. I'm knowing the donuts. <laughs> I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy. What's that go to do with God's word? Absolutely nothing. Because there is no covering. So it's red rag to a bull and anything goes. As we have arguments about this and arguments about that and arguments about this. But I'm not saying this because, listen, I'm not saying this. You think, if you're listening to this, maybe only you think, if they got a problem here. No, we don't. This is why we don't. There's many do it too of a chronic submission issue. There's many men in church that have got chronic submission issues who disagree with anything that doesn't suit their own agenda. Or even if they do agree with it, you never said it well enough. Timothy would have had all that going on and more. Some very powerful men into the bargain would have been in the church in Ephesus, people who would have been there for the very start when Paul was preaching. So they've got a bit of clout. I've been here for the start. I remember when Paul preached before you were even heard you know that one? No. I remember me and Paul, I, me and Paul used to talk and debate and then you turn up, Timothy, what do you know? All that would have been going on. Men be much more experienced, much more influence in the church. More influence in the church with the church crowd because that happens in church as well. Like, I was going to say something, but they are very influential with a lot of people in the crowd. So I don't want to confront them because they'll leave and they'll take their money with them. Hope so. Yet Paul is saying, preach the word, let that convict, grow, sanctify, unite and divide if necessary. The word rightly divided, the word rightly explained. Timothy's passed down message gives the plumb line and the level to the whole room. It levels the whole room. God's word levels the whole room, always. Man's word doesn't level any room. God's word levels the room. It plumb lines the whole room. Okay, let's turn to the Old Testament for a few minutes. It's got to go to the minor prophet in Amos near the back of the Old Testament after Daniel, Hosea and Joel, Amos, near the back. Let's go here. And you'll come across a man called Amos, a minor prophet, Amos, who would be God's spokesman. By this point, the Israelites are, have went rogue, just to let you know, they've went rogue. Uh, Solomon's fell and compromised and anything goes, they're setting up altars to worship God in the wrong way. They're, they're approaching God in the wrong way. Uh, they're viewing God in the wrong way. And God's, uh, God's desire uh, to have this covenant with man and then, uh, then the Israelites and everything that God did to uh, bring them together, it's kind of, it's went haywire and the people are as far away from God as they've ever been. And Amos was a voice for God and certainly not a positive voice. Uh, he mostly brought a very condemning message to God's people, the Israelites, during this time. 
who, as I said, had went rogue and started creating their own ways of worshipping, their own ways of seeing God, and their own ways of conducting a service and everything that was going on. And God had enough, and after much nurture and love and grace, he kind of ran out of patience eventually and is going to call them out and fully show them the error of their ways. And he tells Amos in chapter 7 to say this, Thus he showed me, chapter 7, verse 7 of Amos, Thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall and made a plumb line. With the plumb line in his hand, the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. And the Lord said, behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. And God was kind of ignoring their stuff. They were... Uh, they were setting up all sorts of stuff and for a long period of time he was ignoring it but then he's like, I'm not ignoring it anymore. And what was happening here is, is that God spoke and his word was bringing truth and the plumb line is best defined as righteousness. Uh, and everybody who was not on that line because when you put the line down and you... You stand in God's word and it's straight and it's solid in God's word. Then you see everybody who's at this side and that side and everybody who's swayed and everybody who's in a different way. Listen, when you build a church that's nothing to do with God's word, everybody can be out of shape. <laughs> everybody can be into anything they want because there is no plumb line, there is no spirit level to say this is what's right and what's no. How they would use a plumb line is, is that they would, you, we, would, we would even do it work now is if you don't have a, a long spirit level and you're looking for a vertical line is, is you would get a long piece of string, you would tie something weighty on the bottom of it and just drop it and let it hit the ground or let it just dangle a couple inches off the ground and when it stops swaying it would, you know that that would be bang on straight. And God saying to Timothy here, uh, what do you see? A plumb line. You see my righteousness. Well, here is I speak the word. You will start to see everybody who's offline. And if we don't speak the word in church, we'll never, nobody will be offline. Anything will be able to go. It represents perfect truth. A plumb line is true. You see a spirit level when you put it on. Yet sometimes you see it and everything else is off. So you, you look at it and you go, I'm going to put a spirit level on that. And you put it on, you go, that doesn't look straight. But it's, it's, that's, the word, that's bang on straight. That's perfectly straight. It's the door that's not right. Or something else that's not right. And it makes everything else look off. When we're on a roof and we felt a roof, often, often what happens when you put your tile buttons on, because it's, it's no imperative that they felt straight. Just, it's no imperative that they felt straight. It doesn't really matter. Oh, Semi-straight's good enough. But the wood you put on after it has to be bang on. But what often happens is, is you put the wood on and it looks so off because the felt's not straight. And this is, this is the plumb line that we need in our life that we think everyone else is straight. And it's not until we come to church and we hear the word and hear the truth of God's word that you realise it's me as who line. And what's happening in the modern church today is it's not that people are out of line. The word is not the plumb line. So therefore anybody that's out of line is now in line. 
And the Israelites were way off. Plum. Way off. And this is why it's vital that we let the word do the talking in God's house and no man's ideas. Because man's ideas will never set the level. What's the authority in this church? The authority in this church is no man. It's this. It sometimes annoys me when I hear it, and the, the, especially when you think of Grace Community Church in Santa Clarita, Los Angeles, where, uh, well, it's not in San Fernando Valley in LA, where, where people say, that MacArthur's church. I think that must annoy him. It's not John MacArthur's church, it's Jesus' church. He's just preaching the word as a vessel. It's no Mark's church. Nothing worse, isn't it? No? Because I just need to be out of line. And what ends up happening is man-centred messages that you see the day in the church. That's why the church is in such a mess today. Man-centred messages. See it with churches all over. Counselling. Too much debating, accepting, embracing differences. No wonder the church is offline. No wonder the church is crooked. <laughs> much of them are crooked. The great debaters, as I say, the great complainers have took over and they've moved the plumb line. They've decided what's true and what's not true. Now out of line is okay. Off centre is fine. You're finding your own way weaving yourself up the mountain. God's went to so much bother to keep us in the straight and narrow and we've, we've decided, forget about it. We're going to write it. It's crooked. And the truth is, we are crooked. That's the truth. We are offline. As humans, we are offline. We are off kilter completely. I heard somebody saying it takes a love of God and it, it, take, it takes a love of God and it takes a fear of God to stay in the narrow path. As we can be at this ditch and we can be this ditch. And if we look at our life, we weave in it. We're like Grand Old Duke of York at times. How you do? Oh, I'm feeling great. How do you know? Good. You're like, oh, aren't we? But God's line's straight. And if God's line wasn't straight, every time we were off kilter, and this is what happens, every time that we're offline, we just move the word to suit where we're at. And how are you? I'm fine. I say, well, that's no, is that lining up with God's word? It doesn't matter if it's lining up with God's word. It's what I feel. James White said something the other day like, uh, we think that man's feelings and emotions are greater than God's truth of the word. So it's not about what you feel. Why is that happening? Why are we allowing people to shine in their own unique way? You're here to shine on that stuff. You're going to shine in your own unique way. Really? Shine in my own unique way. Crazy. Why? Because they've rejected the master builder. That's why. Because they've rejected the master builder. You reject the master builder, anything goes. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 13. 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to read these verses. Uh, never apologise for reading what wordy text. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 13. This is Paul again in Corinth. I planted, hear what was happening just briefly, in the church in Corinth, they're, they're, they're picking and choosing who they like. You know, it's like the church is like, I'm not going this week. Who, who's own? Who's own? I'll tell you who's own. Jesus is own. Who's own this week? Jesus. Who's own next week? Jesus is own. 
You see this everywhere, especially you see this in more mature churches. Right, this happens in more mature church. Oh, I liked it when Mister So and So used to preach, but I don't go anywhere because they've got that new guy now, and I don't like him. I liked it when it was Mister So and So. Really, really. The question isn't whether Mister So and So is speaking or Mister So and So is no speaking. As long as it's no message, So and So, we're okay. So. <laughs> Sorry if Mr. So and so speaking. The question isn't who's speaking, the question is, is he speaking the word? It's the question. And here in the church in Corinth, they're starting to argue and all that. We, we prefer this. Some say we're of Apollos, some say we're of Paul. Who, who are we? And Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds on it for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid on which is Jesus Christ that's why we don't that's why you can't have apostles today that's why there's no such a thing as apostles why would you have another foundation the foundation's already been built to have new to have apostles today is to build on the foundation that's already there as if that foundation isn't good he goes on and says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Paul again using similar language to gold and silver and wood and clay from 2 Timothy. But here he's using wood and straw. He's using hay and straw. And only when heat comes do we know which one will stand the test. This is what happens in the church. When heat comes, which stands the test? The worthless materials can't hold up against the heat. Because although it has some value, you cannot build with such weak material. It's okay to camp in it, but no live in it. And we as a church were built, building, without doubt, with straw and hay but no gold and silver, nothing that was precious, which is the word. Thank goodness that within, when we get burned, the, thank goodness we see the, the difference, that when, when, when God decided to burn what we were building, he never burnt us. <laughs> and you can get into the scripture where it explains that a bit. Again, let me reiterate, Paul wants Timothy to build with worthy, valuable things, i.e. what he has learned and seen in Paul and the things that builds the church he's now leading. Why, why does the church think wooden straw is now a sufficient thing to build God's house with when it was never the thing that established it? Isn't that crazy? That was never what established and built the foundation of the church. You get into the book of Acts and you say, what built the church? What was the foundation of the church? That was the foundation. That was the material it used. But now we've got new material because things have moved on. We're so 21st century now. That's why churches are shutting like wildfire. That's why the church is sitting in the house week in, week out, this season and no caring. Some will never recover. Some will never recover.
because they're using such weak, flammable material. They will no stand the test of the heat when it comes. When persecution comes, which will come, the church in the next 12, 24 months will be called, I promise you, they'll be called. They'll be called and they'll be controlled by what they're allowed to say and what they're not allowed to say. If you want any gifted, you will have to adhere to certain rules so that the government will give you money, which we will not do. And some churches will not be able to cope. A lot of churches are, are funded, are, their finances are funded on donations from non-Christian organisations. But to apply for that money, to apply for that money, you cannot say you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to say that you're doing fo- teaching kids to do forward dokies. Seriously. We're teaching kids how to ride a bike. We're teaching them acting lessons. We'll get the money and we'll sneakily teach them God's word. No, 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 no. We'll not be asking for it. And what will happen is it'll no stand the test of time and slowly but surely in the church. No slowly but surely. It's coming like wildfire. Hate speech. All sorts of stuff. You'll not be able to say anything. And churches are just compromising, 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 and adapt and adapt and adapt and adapt. What ends up happening is, is this, this is what happens as well, is you've got the, the modern pragmatic speaker and they're preaching and they're preaching to non-believers who are getting excited. Okay? They're getting excited with their wood and straw and clay message. And they're getting excited with it. So well, this is what happens. This, God's got a way of getting rid of people who don't preach the word. Right? So what happens is, we are, this is, you see this starting to evolve. So you get these pragmatic TED Talk gurus teaching in church week in, week out, and the crowds start to love it. Okay? And this is what happens is, the crowd loves it that much that they end up convinced that the world needs their message. So they leave church and they take their message on the road. Result. <laughs> Result. Good, get some out of church and stop preaching in the church and start preaching out there. Good, that's where they need to be. Stand firm against it, Timothy, hold fast to faith. Okay, I know you think, I went through my whole time here and I've not even got to the text today. It's important I get to that because what I say next, there is a change in tone here. And I'm going to just touch on it for the next couple of minutes and then we'll speak about it the night and conclude because it was important I went into the detail because what comes there is vitally understand by what comes next. Context is everything. Okay, let's go to verse 24. This is where we're up to. <laughs> verse 24. I'll read verse 23 again. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Verse 24. This is our new verse for t- today. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all and able to teach. Be patient. And there's a contrast here and it's as if the 23 is about keeping the main thing the main thing. If you like, I don't really like that word, but that's what it is. And shutting down them who are ignorant and want to really cause trouble. We know that from the previous verses. That's what Paul's addressing. Because he talks about Hymnogenes and Hymnogenes and Philetus. His name changes every week, doesn't it? <laughs> However, as we get to verse 24, it is a slightly different tone where Paul says, A servant must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. 
able to teach, be patient. And here is why I laboured in the other verse so long this morning. Truly be a vessel of honour. We need to stand in the word, be bold, not succumb to attack or arguments, but at the same note, don't take it personal. And this is a bit, don't take it personal. Now, so maybe some of you are listening this morning and maybe you're a bit new to church. You're going, a lot of this is going over my head. I'll guarantee you this part won't. How many times have you took something personal and it's hijacked the argument and you walk away going, I could have conducted myself way better there. Way better. Don't take it personal. Often we see every bit of opposition as enemies to us. Immaturity. You're not secure because you accept somebody's warped path up the mountain. Security is, is that you don't take personally when people come against you. When you're preaching the word. The word's the plumb line. If you stand in the word, it matters not who's against you. That's why our true security comes from the word. And no our own take. You start sharing your own take on a message. And people come against it. You've got to take it personal. Somebody asked John MacArthur. I, I can't remember when or where. But somebody asked John MacArthur. I remember when he asked the question. He says... How do you feel when people disagree with you or no come to you and say that they don't agree or they're angry with you? He says, does it ever make you want to preach the word? This is what he says. It's never even crossed my mind. I've never even considered it. And the reason he's never considered it because he's reading the word, he's studying the word, he's expounding the word, he's delivering the word and it matters not who agrees or who disagrees when it's the word. It's when you start to have your own take. We see opposition as enemies to us. Take it way too personal. Before we know it, our flesh is starting to fight them. This is what Paul is now addressing in Timothy. He's going to the next kind of level, if you like. Well, everybody that doesn't fully agree is necessarily against you or against God. They maybe just don't understand. They maybe just not aware yet. They maybe have just no understanding. There's a learning as well. Just because somebody comes and that's where we need discernment. We need to know the difference with them who need to just be told or be confronted or corrected and them who just need educated. Big difference. But if you're no free for people, you'll see anybody that asks a question or anybody that comes against you as opposition. The less it's about us. And the more we're servants and vessels of honour, the less we will personalise everything. Immaturity sees all disagreements as enemies. Every disagreement's an enemy. But the more we allow the word to be the plumb line and know our feelings, the easier it will be to wipe the dust off yourself and move on. Prickly preachers dishonour the word. You're a prickly believer. It's hard to say. You're a bit prickly. Here's a good litmus test to find out if you're a bit prickly. Do you react badly to correction? See, if you react badly to correction, you're going to really struggle when somebody disagrees with you. <laughs> Do you act really badly to correction? No, like when somebody corrects you, they've almost got to cover it up in petals. 
Sometimes it's so hard, and at that, and I, yeah, I talk to people a lot, and I'm like, I'm going to have to say free superlatives before I tell them the truth, so that they feel better about themselves. And I promise you, what ends up happening is that very same condition is the very condition when somebody tells you that they don't agree with some or disagree with some, you end up going for the juggler and taking it personal. Because you've not been able to deal with the correction yourself. Therefore, anybody that disagrees with you, you automatically think they're an enemy. Well, going to get into Mary that the night, okay? So, like, good. It's no you that's precious, okay? Just in case you were wondering. It's no you that's precious, okay? Precious. It's no you that's precious, precious. It's the word that's precious, okay? I know you think. You might be being, ah, but you're precious, you're no. It's the word that's precious, you're no. You're surplus. You're, you're lucky you get picked. <laughs> no, every listener or questioner is an enemy. And the more we settle that and be secure about that, then we don't need to swat flies off people's head with a hammer every time. Every time somebody comes against you, you think they're against you. No, necessarily. It might be an education thing. And even if they were against you, you've still to be honourable and you've still to stand in God's word and not take it personal. I'm going to close with this. This is me closing, and I promise you I'll close in three minutes. I don't know how it'll be three minutes, but it'll probably be three minutes. And we'll conclude this part of the night, and I'll open that up the night about how we get into this, because there's a reason why we need to conduct ourselves well. And some people, let me just say this, that does not mean to say that you shouldn't confront. You just don't take it personal. You don't fight flesh and blood, but powers and principalities for tearing down strongholds, arguments and every lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I'm just going to read 25a. This is how bad it's getting. I'm, I'm not even getting through full verses. It's halves, A and Bs. 25a. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. You cannot correct anyone in humility until you're first free from the people. You'll either do one of two things. You'll overcorrect them. Bullish, presume that they hate you. Or secondly, you'll fan them. So you'll correct them by telling them, by praising them. Let me just say this. See, I, I, I let me just say this. You know I love you. You know it. You know I mean it in love. See all that? I'm like, life's too short. Okay? Our whole life should reflect how we correct and bring correction to people. Yeah, you've got to have wisdom because you've got to know the person and understand the person. Servants don't take it personally. Self-servant do. You're self-serving, you take everything personally. So most people go one of two ways. They either fold, which, which was Timothy's kind of predominant leaning. His predominant leaning is that when he was facing pressure is, I'll fold and I'll agree, I'll agree. Or be like Peter. I'll cut your ear clean off. <laughs> Talk to me like that again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the kind of two. There's the all embracing, or there's the Peter. Who are you looking at? You, you taking that personally? Chop your ear off right now, any Marriott. It's dead North Lanarkshire, isn't it? 
Monica's looking like that. I just missed that whole bit there. I think you're getting better with the, the language. And that's what ends up happening, isn't it? Because our flesh flares up. That's what happened with Peter. His flesh flared up and says, oh, I'll do How can anybody hear the word? Jesus picks up the guy's ear, doesn't he? It's amazing, doesn't he? I love that. Just think about that happened to that guy. <laughs> so you get Peter, Peter did try to chop his head off. He wasn't just going, I'll skiff you. He wasn't doing like David did. He was, he was trying to chop the guy's head off. And he missed and he chopped his ear off. Peter, Jesus picks up the guy's ear and puts on. Just picks up. Why do you mean that guy in heaven? He's picking the ear up, and I don't want it to be too metaphorical. He's picking the ear up, and Jesus has made a list saying, How are they ever going to hear the truth if you've cut their ears off? He heard the truth that time, didn't he, as soon as the ear went back on? So to be a humble servant is to both to be gentle and courageous. There's the battle, isn't it? How, isn't, that, isn't that the hardest bit? And we'll get into that tonight and I will close. Isn't that the hardest bit? How can I be both that? How can I be the lion and the lamb at the same time? Eh? How can I be the lion and how can I be the lamb? I'm either, I'm all roar or I'm all bleak. <laughs> it's that balance at the same time. That's the wisdom. That's the, that's the dividing the word right. That's the vessel of honour that I can both honour. I can serve. I can be a servant. Okay, let's close here. Eh? I'm not going to get any more because I want to respect your time. We'll get in the night and talk about it. Uh, but more when we've got more time. We'll open that up. We need to know the spirit in which we serve. We need to know the spirit in which we serve Christ. We don't serve, we... Remember in Luke, it says, they were casting out demons your name. We told them straight. That's what it says. Jesus, we were walking along there and we seen them casting out demons in your name, but we told them straight, quit it. And Jesus says, you don't even know what manner I came in. I didn't came to condemn men, I came to bring life. Then he goes to the next town and he corrects somebody. It's the balance in it. Amen, let's stand. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.